Good morning, guys. This is Chris. I'm just popping in to say how grateful I am uh, to be given the time to spend with my family. I take a break from preaching for a little season as we welcome our third baby um, into the family. Everyone's doing well, you know, other than sleep deprivation. Uh, baby's fine. Mommy's fine. Everyone's doing good. And I just want to say thank you. Um, thanks for giving me a season uh, just to be uh, with my family. It's been time well spent. Uh, today, I wanted to introduce who's going to be sharing with us. Uh, Liz Grawl has been our small group leader for the past year or so, some odd change, something like that. And um, Liz has a really strong heart and a gifting um, as kind of a peacemaker. She just has a longing uh, for and a burden, maybe even for relational peace. And, and with that heart, um, she longs to uh, help people to understand uh, a differing perspective, really has a heart to help people um, see another person's perspective and maybe agree to disagree in the end, but do it in a way that honors the Lord. Um, and she's just gifted in that arena. And I, I just felt that... Um, Man, I don't know, I just felt really led to ask her to share with us and uh, about what it means as Christians um, to be people who are open-minded and open-hearted and full of uh, the peace of God in our hearts as we navigate uh, really turmoilsome cultural moments. Um, so here she is. I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Riverstone family. If you don't know me, my name is Liz Grawl. My husband is Robert, and we have three kids ranging in age from 14 to 21. We've been attending Riverstone for about three years now, and I'm so looking forward to being able to gather together again next Sunday, Lord willing. And I'm now going to steal myself for any mockery from my small group on my possible verbal stumbles and fumbles. I'm sure they will happen, so make sure you write them down so you can make fun of me appropriately. <laughs> Let's pray before we get into it. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. And we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide us into truth. Please guard my mouth so that I may only speak what you would have me say and soften our hearts and open our ears to you alone, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're currently living through a time that doesn't seem very peaceful, more confusing, chaotic, and even painful. Some of us are feeling this way due to national and world events, and some of us have personal situations that are taking center stage in our attention. I would humbly like to help equip you through the word of God to deal with some of this chaos and confusion, starting with Romans 12, 18, which says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I'd like to discuss a few other things in this chapter of Romans, but first let's consider this small part. How do we live at peace with all men? Well, first of all, you can't. <laughs> some people are just going to dislike you for no good reason, or maybe there is a good reason. You tell me. <laughs> the important part here is as much as it depends on you. We are each responsible for our part in any relationship, any situation. And this requires humility. James tells us God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's quoting from the Psalms. And there's no shortage of other verses that say nearly the exact same thing. Psalm 138.6 For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. In other versions, haughty is translated as arrogant or proud, just so we're clear what we're talking about here. There's Proverbs 3.34 and 29.23, Matthew 23.12, Luke 1.52, 1 Peter 5.5, 5, all speaking the same general idea. But I find that arrogance and pride are often very difficult to recognize in oneself. And so we must examine ourselves regularly. 
as we are supposed to emulate Christ, let's look at what he's like. Numbers 14, 18 tells us, The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving wickedness and offense. This verse goes on to talk about his justice, which I will come to later. Exodus 34, 6 says, He abounds in truth. Nehemiah 9, 16 through 17 tells us how, even when Israel was stubborn, arrogant, and even rebellious, he did not forsake them. They were not disposable people in his mind. Them acting like that did not equal him forsaking them. The Psalms tell us he is full of grace, compassion, mercy. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us he is long-suffering or patient towards us because he wants whoever will come to be saved. These are some of the characteristics he tells us to learn from. So we must ask ourselves some hard questions. Things like, do I get angry when someone doesn't agree with me? Do I think less of someone who doesn't agree with me? Do I truly listen to try to understand other people's thoughts and opinions? Or do I dismiss and interrupt, thinking I've already heard it all and I know what they're going to say? How important is it for me to win the argument to prove that I'm right. Is it more important than showing the love, patience, graciousness, and compassion of Christ? If we answer yes to any of these questions, we need to repent of our pride and arrogance and determine to learn a new way. So let's look at a few ideas about how we can do that. The entire 12th chapter of Romans is a great place to start, and we'll apply this part of the word to these challenges we face. Verse 1 tells us that it is, uh, I, I, sorry, <laughs> I suggest you read this chapter straight through. I'm going to kind of use Liz paraphrasing here throughout this entire thing, but I, I would, you know, suggest that you read the chapter for yourself. So in verse 1, it tells us that it's entirely reasonable to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Sacrificing our pride can be a very painful offering. I hope everyone has experienced that. If you haven't, that's probably another sign you need to examine your arrogance and pride. Verse 2 tells us not to be like the world. We need to be transformed and have a renewed mind. Think differently. Act differently. Speak and listen differently in order to show God's perfect will to those around us. Remember, we are ambassadors of Christ. We should really want to represent him well, the way in which he wants to be represented. Verse 3, back to pride and humility, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. There's a story of Rabbi Simka Bunim of Poland. I'm sorry if I slaughtered that. <laughs> it's said that he would carry two slips of paper everywhere with him, one in each pocket. One said, for my sake, the world was created. As Christians, we could say, for my sake, Christ was crucified. The other said, I am but dust and ashes, which refers to Genesis 3.19, when God tells Adam, you came from the ground, dust you are, and dust you shall return. To dust you shall return. <laughs> our worth is based on Christ's love for us. As ourselves alone, we are but dust, and without Christ, that's pretty much where we would end up. <laughs> so work out how highly or lowly you should think of yourself. I recommend seeking the Lord on that, for sure. And then... Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Verse 4 through 8 tells us we're all different. God has made us and gifted us so, and to do our best with the gifts he has given us. Verse 9, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Pretty self-explanatory, except for one thing. 
We have an enemy who's a deceiver. He loves to make evil look good and good evil. He's the author of confusion. If we do not know the voice of our shepherd, in other words, what we can cling to and believe in, we can easily be deceived. We ought to be very careful when we get dogmatic about a position. And we need to be humble enough to think, I'm not right about everything I think, and be willing to listen deeply to others. With that in mind, seek to understand them, even if they don't change our minds or we theirs. Verse 10 says to give preference to the other person with kindly affection and brotherly love. Verses 11 through 13. Is it very, very hard to listen to your friend, your loved one, the faceless stranger on the internet ranting on and on about the stupid way they feel or think about something? Well, don't lag in diligence as you listen to them. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord by serving that person. Have hope. Be patient in that very, very minor tribulation of having to listen deeply with an open heart. Be generous and hospitable. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. In this type of situation, you may feel persecuted by someone who won't hear you out or clearly thinks you're a raging idiot for your point of view on whatever. Bless them and learn from them. No one likes to be treated that way, so don't be that person. To your spouse, to your child, your friend, even your enemy. Bless them and do not curse in any sense of that word. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It is much easier sometimes to rejoice with those who rejoice, unless you have some jealousy issues, which is another matter entirely. But if you cannot understand someone else's fears, concerns, ideas, and opinions, it can sure make it hard to weep with them when necessary. This is where we need a liberal application of the golden rule, which I hope most of you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, some intense exercise of compassion and empathy. If you can discipline yourself into listening deeply and with an open heart, you can at least weep with them simply because they hurt, even if you never fully comprehend their thoughts and feelings on the matter. But that understanding should be the goal not necessarily total agreement, but true understanding and compassion. That's what the Lord is looking for here. Verse 16, be humble, don't be arrogant. And here comes some more hard stuff, so get ready. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need the fruit of the Spirit of God growing and thriving in us to be able to overcome our very human tendency to lose our temper, try to prove ourselves right, take offense, hold grudges, let bitterness have its home in our hearts be unforgiving. We must pray for and practice self-control, love, patience. We must keep no record of wrongs. Lord, help us. Now, I have to tell you, Romans 12 was written to the church in Rome. It was mostly about how to treat other believers, but that doesn't let us off the hook. When it says live at peace with all men, it means all men, Christians or not. When we're allowing him to transform our minds and representing him to others, it is not just to other Christians. 
It's to all men. When we are blessing those who persecute us, pray God, it's not another Christian who's persecuting us. While there are some things here pretty specific to believers, like the use of gifts of prophecy and ministry, etc., it's a pretty comprehensive list of how we're supposed to treat our neighbors, all of our neighbors. There's one thing I want to add here. There are things that we must believe and cling to that are even important to fight for. But I want to suggest that the way we fight for them, for those things, or against powers and principalities, the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, is not the way the world would fight. It is with the tools Christ himself used here on earth. Prayer, patience, gentleness, deeply listening to the hurting hearts of those around him, and answering as his spirit would guide us, speaking the truth in love, and listening twice as much as we speak. Only once in the biblical account of his life did he flip tables. Let's strive to keep our ratio similarly low. The funny thing is, when Chris asked me to do this, the Lord had been impressing the very same verse on my heart for weeks. You see, we've had a little issue regarding how we park with one of our neighbors. I was feeling pressed to go and make peace with them for quite a while. I'm a Christian. I should be living that verse. But man, it was hard. He was wrong, not us. I understood where he was coming from, but it wasn't our problem, and he was the one being ugly to us. Why should I apologize for snapping back a little bit? But being at peace with all men, as far as it depends on me, and Ephesians five twenty-three through 24, were talking to me. That verse says, If you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, not even you against your brother, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's how important it is to him. He wants us to reconcile with each other first before we bring him an offering. Well, I had decided to go tomorrow. No, oh, something came up the next day. Well, the next day for sure, Lord. Then Chris called <clears throat> The Lord sure has a way of talking loudly when you need to hear something, doesn't he? I'm glad he does, really, because I am stubborn and I can justify putting off a thing I don't want to do for a really long time. But I realized I couldn't talk to you all about this verse, things that I really personally believe about this verse, until I laid down my pride, my anxiety about how my neighbor would react, all of it, and lived that verse. Praise the Lord, it worked out well. Those things don't always but you know what is, it just might do? It just might leave that door open for them to meet Jesus. And what's more important than that? Certainly not my pride, my sense of being treated wrongly, my fear of how he would react to me, apologizing to him. The Lord is patient and gentle with us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance so that we can be reconciled with him. His righteousness is important, not my rightness. So let's pray. Dear Lord, draw us closer to you, renew our minds, and transform us into who you want us to be. Help us to be more like you, in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for listening. Hope I didn't fumble too much, ladies and gentlemen. And I really do look forward to seeing your smiling faces, or at least your smiling eyes over your masks, as the case may be, uh, this coming Sunday. God bless you all.